This is the Horse Radio Network. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily, episode 1328, an excerpt from the podcast episode 81, where show co-hosts Piper Clem and Sissy Wicks chat with Corey McGraw about buying a saddle online, including some advice on avoiding scams. This episode is brought to you by our auditors. If you'd like to become an HRN auditor and help support Horse Radio Network programming, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the HRN Auditor banner. guest on today's podcast is Corey McGraw. Corey is a saddle matchmaker and her business high-end used saddles um, based in Tucson, Arizona serves riders nationwide. Welcome Corey. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today. So Corey, tell us a little bit of why the the used saddle market um, is thriving right now. Um, I'm I'm always shocked at at what saddle prices, new saddle prices have have climbed to. So what's kind of the climate and in buying a, a new saddle right now that's kind of led to this explosion of used saddles? Well, I think saddles are kind of a unique product in that many riders, especially experienced riders, sometimes prefer used and consider it a better choice for them than new. Um, cost would obviously be the first thing that would jump out at you for that. But um, other equally important considerations are that with a used saddle, you can try it before you commit to the purchase versus often with a new saddle. Um, if it's available on the shelf, you might be able to test ride it in a very um, gingerly manner where you wrap the stirrups and the saddle isn't broken in yet and you've got to keep it in that same pristine condition if you need to return it. But that can also lead to a little bit of, um, if the saddle isn't feeling great, you don't know if it's not great because it's just not broken in yet, or if it's just not the right saddle for you. So many people like the fact that with a used saddle, you can put it on, test ride it in your normal lesson, just the way you normally would, find out if it's going to feel great for you and your horse. If not, you know, get your money back. And also, it's ready to go for your next horse show. You don't have to go through a break-in period of any kind. So back in the day, it was kind of, you know, culture where where people had one or two saddles and, and kind of put them on everything. And we've transitioned into this climate where where people are, are really focused on, on fit for themselves and their horse. Um, so what, how did kind of that transition, you know, come across the horse show? And, you know, it takes a, a long time to kind of trickle down and impact everyone. But I feel like it's completely permeated. Saddle fit is definitely a source of discussion, you know, in all the online forums when horses aren't going well. I mean, it, it seems to come up again and again. Absolutely. And as it should be, you know, I've seen the same progression in my years um, as a horsewoman. I mean, when I grew up riding in the mid to late eighties as a junior, it was just your trainer would in- tell you to buy this brand in this size and this tree size. And that was that you just ordered it. And there was no sense of trying it to make sure it fit. At least that's kind of how I grew up. And now um, we're in a completely better place, I think, for horses and riders where we're really tuned in to making sure that the saddle is a good fit across um, a number of different fit aspects from seat size to flap length, flap forwardness the tree size for the horse, the different panel options for the horse. And 
Well, I think that's making um, the opportunity available for horses and riders to be more comfortable than ever before. It certainly has made saddle selection um, perhaps more intimidating or more complex than it used to be. Um, so where, where do people kind of get started? You know, so if I, if I call you and I say, I, I don't even know what I'm looking for, um, how do you kind of get, get start to narrow down all those parameters? Um, you know, I, like you, started riding a churn of saddle that had like absolutely nothing, <laughs> no padding, right. no blocks, right. a flat piece exactly. of leather. Um, so, you know, how do like new people in the sport, you know, how, how do you or, you know, people kind of just slowly evolving with the saddle trends? Where do you even begin to get started? Well, first, I love it when people call to talk about what they need. I actually prefer that. I find it so much more helpful than when they just email me and say, my trainer said to buy this brand with these specs and leave it at that. Um, Because I like to talk about what level they're at, where, what are their goals? Where do they want to be with their riding? What division are they competing in? Um, I'm going to ask them nosy questions like height, weight. Um, I'm going to ask if it's a parent shopping for a child. I'm going to ask, do you want some room for growth or do you prefer to just swap saddles as the child grows? Um, I'm going to ask about the horses breed and build. How are the withers? Are they high, low, or average? Um, what age is the horse? Is the horse of an age where you're, the horse is young and you're expecting him or her to muscle out? Um, is it an older horse where we may have um, some changes in musculature? These are all questions that I like to be able to discuss. And even if you already have the, you know, your little piece of paper with what the trainer wrote down for you to order, I still always appreciate the opportunity to talk about all of these things. And we can certainly use your trainer's recommendation as a starting point but I just like to be able to go over those things to make sure the specs you think you need are matching with what I see my clients um, having success with in terms of their needs to make sure that um, if there's anything that's a disparity, we can discuss it. And then at least you have the information to know why there could be different approaches or different perspectives on a particular um, point of saddle selection. So what do you do like about barns that most of the barn rides in in one brand and, you know, and maybe you don't think that that's the right fit for this particular client or this particular horse? How do you kind of navigate that scenario? Well, what we'll typically do is say, you know, if you'd like to try that brand, I'm happy to send you one. However, my concern is I want to make sure that I'm being cost efficient for you and I don't want to have you go to the trouble and expense of shipping a saddle if on paper, it looks like it's not a good match. So I'm going to present um, what in my experience has been a better match for you or your horse and explain why, and then ultimately leave the decision up to the client, but give them what I've seen work and what I've seen not work and why, so that they're not going into that blind. Because I really want to make sure that we're not sending something to them that. Um, at least on paper, isn't already an, an excellent match. So even with these used saddles, we're still talking about thousands of dollars. We're talking about plenty of money. And um, as this is increasingly done online, um, used saddle sales, how do you protect yourself? What methods, what payment methods are safe? What questions you ask a seller? How, how do you navigate this new kind of world that we're, we're living in um, with having more, like you said, more opportunity. You can buy the exact 
saddle you want, the odds of finding the exact use saddle you want nationally are much higher. But how do you protect yourself in something that could be, you know, more, more dangerous from a business perspective? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I have a lot to say on this subject. I think it's a really important one that we can spend a lot of time on. Um, So as you mentioned, buying online is increasingly popular, and there's um, a lot of great reasons for that. One is it increases your selection compared to just buying what you can find locally. Um, Second, there's a cost savings compared to buying locally if you're not paying sales tax, which typically doesn't apply if you're shipping in from out of state. But at the same time, we want to keep you safe, and we want to make sure that your purchase um, is a good experience. And Um, I started addressing this with anybody who will listen because um, early on when I got started in this industry, I started hearing a lot of people say that they had had problems buying saddles online, whether from individuals or other places, and um, experiencing, sadly, fraud where the saddle would never arrive. And as you mentioned, um, that is probably the worst thing that can happen to you because of the high cost of these saddles, that would be the worst thing that could go wrong in your saddle transaction. So um, I have a lot to say on this and I can break it down kind of point by point. The first thing I would really encourage you to look at is the security of the payment method. So I'd like to first start by defining that. What do I mean by the security of the payment method for purposes of our conversation here? What I mean by that for our conversation is that I want to make sure you're using a payment method that if anything goes wrong, you have recourse that is fairly easy, effective, and isn't going to cost you much or preferably doesn't cost you anything. So what are some payment methods that meet that criteria? Credit card is the first one that pops to mind. PayPal is another one. Um, With both of these methods, if you don't receive an item, you can call up PayPal or your credit card company and let them know and dispute it. And you're going to have some protection um, where they can actually reach back into the seller's bank account, retrieve the money and get you your money back. Debit card is another one that can offer protection, but I kind of put that in a not as desirable category. And the reason for that is that if you dispute something, depending on how your bank works, Sometimes with a debit card, that money is not in your account while the claim is being investigated, and that could throw off your checking account. And Lord knows in the horse industry, we have to write checks constantly. So um, I don't want to see that happen to you. So that's why you know PayPal or credit card are generally considered um, the most secure. And along with that, I want to strongly recommend that you use extreme caution if a seller is asking for wire transfer or check. So again, that's wire transfer or check are, I would say, to be avoided if at all possible if you're buying online. And why is that? Well, if you pay by wire transfer or check and the saddle never shows up, you don't really have an easy method of recourse. It would be time-consuming, expensive, and you don't know that it would even necessarily result in getting your money back. So we really want to stay away from that. Now, if you're dealing with somebody who is legitimate, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, as a seller, the seller doesn't want to take the credit card or PayPal because they don't want to pay the fees, which are typically about 3%, which 
Um, most of us in, biz- in business, as business owners, accept that as a cost of doing business. It costs us about 3% of the purchase price to accept your payment by PayPal or credit card. However, often somebody I'm going to call, quote, fraudulent Freddie will not want to accept PayPal or credit card or anything like that because, as we discussed previously, um, that money could be taken back out of their account once it's discovered that they've committed fraud. So what a fraudulent Freddie type might do is they might say, well, I don't want to take that payment method because I don't want to pay the fees. Well, there's a good way you can kind of test this out. You could offer to pay the 3%. You could even offer to split the 3%. So it would be 1.5% to buyer and seller. And I will tell you that any legitimate seller will be thrilled to have you even offer to split it because we're so used to paying this day in and day out. Um, And if the person still won't take PayPal or credit card, even after you've offered to help them with the fees, I would say walk away. All right. So we've gotten through how to how to pay for the saddle correctly. PayPal and credit card are mm-hmm. are always the best to protect yourself when ordering online. Um, how else can we protect ourselves? So I'm glad you asked because I have a lot more to say on this topic. So the other thing I want you to do is make sure you have a trial policy. Do not under any circumstances buy a saddle without a trial policy, even if it's a great deal. Now, this may seem self-evident, but it can kind of get a little more complicated um, sometimes than it might first seem. So here's where sometimes people will get into trouble if the trainer has, you know, written down on a piece of paper, I want you to have this size with this um, brand and this flap and this tree size. And the buyer says, okay, I can do that. And then they find it and it's, offered it a great deal, but without a trial policy, they may think, well, it's everything the trainer wanted, so I can go ahead and buy it, and that should be great. But what they may not realize is there are so many variations in fit, in the seat size, the flap length, the tree size, the way the panels are configured, that um, these manufacturers, we love them, but they're not always as consistent as we would like from one saddle to the next, even within the same brand and model. So we really don't want you to just assume it's going to fit because the specs measure um, what you were told to get. You really want to be able to test ride it for you and your horse to make sure that it's going to fit right. The other way people can get into trouble with this is... um, that maybe they tried a friend's saddle or a trainer's saddle and, oh, this one fit me and my horse beautifully. So all I need to do is get one that's just like it. Well, even if we find you one with all the same numbers stamped on the serial um, number on the slap, again, it will often measure differently and you could end up being caught off guard. Now, if you're in a position where you have the means to just go ahead and buy another saddle at a moment's notice, maybe this doesn't apply to you. But for, I would say, most of us, if we sink our money into one saddle and there's no return policy, it can be really challenging financially to get in, get rid of that saddle and get something that does work. And, you know, I wouldn't want to see anybody um, get stuck that way. Another thing you can do, which I recommend in addition to the trial policy, because the trial policy will protect your investment in the cost of the saddle, but 
I'm going to give you another tip that can actually save you some money in terms of making sure you're not uh, wasting money sending a bunch of saddles back and forth to trial on your shipping. So this next tip is where you're going to ask for actual measurements. So in, in addition to just looking at the serial numbers, um, you want to make sure you get the actual measurements of a number of different aspects of the saddle. Now, at high-end used saddles, we automatically put that in our listings, and a lot of other dealers do too. But if you're working with somebody who hasn't given you those measurements, please be sure to ask for them. You're specifically going to want to ask for the seat measurement, which is taken from the center of the nail head diagonally to the center of the cancel. You're going to want to ask for the flap length. You're going to also want to get the width of the flap. And the reason why is that that gives us a sense of the relative forwardness of the flap. Again, here's where on the serial number, it may say forward flap, but the width might be more like a regular flap, or it could be more like an extra forward flap. So if we take the measurement of the flap width at the widest point, that gives us an objective measurement in inches that we can use to kind of compare to other saddles. And I'll give you a special tip for that. It's easier if you slide the tape measure on the back side of the flap, because if you take it on the front side, sometimes you have um, the padded flap or you can have blocks that make it kind of lumpy. So you'll actually get a smoother measurement if you just slide that little tape measure on the back side of the flap. And then another measurement that can be helpful is to ask for the dot-to-dot -dot measurement, which is um, not on every saddle, but most saddles have them, which is under the pommel. Um, you'll see two fuzzy dots, and that can kind of give you somewhat of an approximation of the relative tree size because medium tree can mean, you know, 10 different things on 10 different saddles. So we want to make sure we know um, some sort of objective measurement. That's not going to give us the complete story, but more information is certainly better than less information. And the final thing I would have you make sure you ask for is a photo of the front view of the saddle. So if we had the saddle on a saddle rack, you would be facing the pommel. And what we're looking for there is I want you to have a view of the panel angles. And that kind of gives you a rough idea of like when you look at that, do the panel angles roughly seem appropriate for the shape of your horse. For instance, on a wider horse, we would expect the panel angles um, to be more open, but on a high-withered thoroughbred, we would expect the panel angle to be more narrow. So that's going to be helpful for you as you are browsing saddle listings online to really um, get those measurements because I love working with objective measurements. I just find it so helpful. All right. So Corey, um, if people are interested in saddles or have more questions, uh, where can they find you? We're at highendusedsaddles.com or you can call us at 520-208-1916 and we ship to all 50 states and beyond. Hi, this is Gina Moronic from Wisconsin, and I am an official Horse Radio Network auditor, something I'm really proud to do and to be a part of in a small way because it's something that I get a lot of information from. The Horse Radio Network uh, and the convenience of the downloadable podcast means that I can improve my horsemanship skills, my riding skills, 
um, or just really enjoy listening to friendly, informative programming whenever I'm driving to work or working on chores or at the barn even. So I hope you find it as enjoyable as I do. If you do, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner to become a Horse Radio Network auditor. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be involved in this great thing too and keep it going. Thanks. That's a wrap. You can find links to today's guests as well as lots more tips at horsetipdaily.com. Make sure to have all of your favorite Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go by downloading the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy. You can also subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. And thanks again, auditors, for bringing you this show. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements made by guests on the Horse Tip Daily. Please use your own judgment when listening to the tips on this show.